0: Hello my Conscious Soul, this is Jay Wynn. Welcome to the Conscious Chess Podcast, where we bring inspiring individuals living purposeful lives in the hope of inspiring you to be your best authentic self. This is episode number 26 with Andrew Fuller. Andrew is a leading clinical psychologist and he's interviewed over 500,000 people to trace the most commonly identifiable stages of life. He discovered that understanding what stage one is in will lead them to making changes that can improve relationships, create better health and develop a more resilient mindset. He believes that knowing the characteristics of your stage of life is vital as the things that makes a difference in your 20s change in your 30s and then alter again in your 50s, become completely different in your 60s and 70s. You can reach Andrew via contact form on www.andrewfuller.com. In this episode, we discuss the most surprising discoveries that Andrew made from his years of experience. Here's my interview with Andrew. Thank you for being on the show, Andrew. I will start off with your personal history, who you are, where you grew up and what were your early years were like to start off the show.
1: Hi, it's great to be with you Jay and everyone. Um, I'm Andrew Fuller, I'm a clinical psychologist and I grew up in Geelong which is a town south of mm. Melbourne mm-hmm. in the southern part of Australia uh, which is a great part to, uh, to grow up, a great country to live in really. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, a land of uh, kangaroos and koalas as you know but uh, mm-hmm. also beautiful beaches and uh, good surfing and that kind of stuff and I got interested. Uh, in psychology which is partly what we'll be talking about today and and mm-hmm. how it applies to life at a fairly early age really um at a time when i remember going home and saying to my parents mm-hmm. i want to be a psychologist and they said what's that <laughs> and i said i'm not sure but that's what yeah. i want to be wow. <laughs> that's what i want to be and uh such an early yeah, age?
0: yeah yeah
1: i was lucky yeah oh, great
0: amazing yeah.
1: So uh, that then led me to uh, work in that field. And Mm -hmm. uh, my earliest job was in a crisis team, in a psychiatric crisis teams. And um, so that led me to be on bridges and in siege situations,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. often wondering what to do. And (laughs) it's people who were sort of staring staring at the bottom of the bridge a bit too intently for my liking. And uh, I was very fortunate nobody ever did Mm -hmm. anything. but it got me really interested in how do you stop people getting to that point in their lives, and mm-hmm. um, that led me to start researching a word that at that time was relatively unknown, it was the word that's so well known now that's mm-hmm. resilience. And uh, but in those days, when I talk about resilience, people would talk about uh, bridges and steel, and
2: yeah, yeah, so that's
1: how long ago it was, but um, but uh. Uh, And, of course, that that work continues on to today. So it's been a a great journey, really, of life.
0: And can you talk about how you set out to interview a half a million people?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting because when you do workshops on resilience and you Mm -hmm. have research, people do things for you. It's very nice of them. It's Mm -hmm. very kind of them. So I would start to ask people to map their lives. And basically a life map is a very simple thing in well it appears at, at first to be a reasonable thing and so what you do is you basically have a, a vertical axis which is zero to ten the happiest or the most content you've mm-hmm. ever been uh to the least and then of course across the the years you basically just and um, graph your life mm-hmm. what does it look like and then we started to basically ask people to graph not just their lives but also their parents lives and we, that's where i started to discover that uh there were patterns in this process so i'd take you know these people would very kindly lend me their life map and i'd take it back and i to where i was staying and i'd study them and kind of look at the mm. the key ages and one of the things that i observed was that families have time bombs and i hadn't really understood until that point about mm-hmm. how powerful they were so so one of the lessons that i learned from, and then, of course, embellish them into interviews. But um, one of the lessons that I learned from that was that while you're lying as a little baby in that mm-hmm. crib or that bassinet or that, that cot looking so cute and gorgeous, you're not just doing that. You're also very astutely studying life. And what you're wow. studying without realizing it is how at what different ages do you do things now obviously you're not very conscious of
2: particular ages
1: but you are in a funny kind of way and so and most families not every family but most families have time bombs and their time bombs about at what age should you leave home at what age should you mm-hmm.
0: settle down
1: at what age mm-hmm. might you have children or at what age might you retire or at what age do you become frail and elderly if that's what your the family script is mm-hmm. and because these lessons are learned before you can really speak you never bring them to conscious awareness
0: wow and yeah. because
1: they're not in conscious awareness then for some of us We just almost automatically follow those patterns. Yeah. Now that's great. That's great if the patterns were good. Mm -hmm. If the patterns are bad, yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah. So it's really interesting to watch. As sometimes, so I'll have people in workshops. They go, "Wow." I, I had a, a separation at the age of, say, 49, mm. and I just realized that that's exactly the age that my dad was when whatever happened or yeah. mum was when this happened, and their life changed too. And, I, and they go, wow, well, I thought it had been just up to me. And, um, yeah. you know, life obviously is, you know, your own creation, but at the same time, there are, there are interesting influences that we are mm. unconscious of.
0: Say if you are not even yeah. conscious of it, how can you make yourself aware of it?
1: Aware of a pattern? Well, yeah, so you get curious about it, and I mean, life is endlessly curious, you know, mm-hmm. you know it's great to be curious about your life, yeah. And yeah. so, thinking about because and you and you watch people, you know, you know, people around you who seem to. I don't know, maybe your friends are better than mine, Jay, but I have friends yeah. that sometimes mm. just do the same, you know, fairly <laughs> pointless stuff over and over again or mm. they mm. repeat patterns or they, or they um, pick up partners that aren't suitable for them yeah. and they leave them and find another one. Yes, <laughs> which is exactly answer, the same you know? one, the same person but in a different body. <laughs> <laughs> That's you got it, and you're going, Why are they doing that? You know, and so you get you get a bit interested in this kind of stuff after a mm. while, you go, Okay, and then maybe you think, Oh, it applies to me too. So, so to bring it out of unconsciousness, which is you know interesting, uh, basically is just to map it and to start mm. to think about it and go, Okay, what are the patterns of the life that I have? And so, I encourage people to go beyond their current chronological age into the future and what do they expect for themselves?
2: Wow, okay. Now,
1: so you end up with a map that's sort of, you know, up and for some people, it's it's like a wild bronco, mm-hmm. but for others, it's quite, you know, gentle. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Everyone has a different life. But the other part of it that I wasn't really expecting at all as I started this study was that it roughly fell, to, fell into a seven-year cycle of life. So oh,
0: while really? it's not true for
1: every specific wow. person, it seemed to me that life has a a sort of way of changing about every seven years so you get an opportunity to re re recalibrate reorient your life Mm. so (coughs) excuse me um then it became an interesting kind of thought about well what's going on in different stages of life and what does life require of you because Uh. resilience and having a good life is an improvisational art you need to keep adapting yourself Mm -hmm. and changing yourself Mm -hmm. and evolving because if you don't reinvent your yeah because if you don't reinvent your game plans, well, what looked good at sixteen doesn't look so good at forty-six, you know. Yeah, uh, and that's it looks disastrous right. at sixty-four, you know. For example, uh, you know, yeah. and I'm sure we all know people who've never really paused and reflected and reinvented. And um, you don't have to, but uh, yeah, it sometimes looks a bit kind of. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. do people deal differently with the passage of time depending on basically what we were saying, where they are, and Like, how about their socioeconomic status?
1: Well, I think everything, of course, impacts on your life. Um, And I mean, one of the things that I often observe, for example, is that you are never poorer in your life Mm -hmm. financially than when you have children under the age of four. I just think it I just see so many families that are just hard up against mm-hmm. it when they're you've got young very young children because just young children absorb so much resources when they're well parented mm-hmm. and so you end up basically not terribly well off and mm-hmm. hopefully of course you're i mean most people have a financial life cycle as well, I suppose I yeah. haven't really investigated that as part of my studies, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think that's probably true. There are times when you invest hopefully in you know accumulating wealth and then hopefully there's a time when you get to squander it a bit and Mm -hmm. kind of enjoy it Mm um yeah but uh yeah but certainly i think family patterns possibly are stronger in families that aren't that are more connected and so i think in some ways probably not being fabulously right up the top of the socioeconomic Mm. scale probably means these are which I'm not. <laughs> I'd like to be, but no, I wouldn't. I am actually <laughs> happy where I am. But um mm. I think because you're more connected as a family then. Yeah. Because you don't you don't live in a mansion that has, you know, houses of different, you know, rooms at different ends of the house and that kind of stuff. Um, that's where the patterns sort of rub off on one another.
0: Yeah. So is there uh, one age or stage in life that is more difficult for us to manage than others? Like why?
1: well they're all interesting i mean i think that the um trying to get a handle on who you are as a person Mm. is quite a slippery thing to do and um i do like the research of a canadian psychologist by the name of james marcia who talks about four basic ways that people manage this process of working out who they are and it's the theory is, and it's a good one, uh, basically the people kind of go along two major dimensions. One is they're willing to explore different ways of being. Mm -hmm. And the other one is their willingness to be committed to whatever they Mm -hmm. try out. So there are people who aren't happy to explore. This is, I'm not going to have a go at that Mm -hmm. fearful and I'm not going to commit to it anyway. And they end up sort of what what Marcia calls, uh, can diffused but that's confused really mm-hmm. and then there's people who basically try out a whole lot of stuff but don't commit to anything mm-hmm. and he calls yeah. that moratorium where you you know you well I'll just wait and see what shows up really you know, that's fine and mm-hmm. that's that's um that's fair that can be quite mentally healthy it's just uh if you're the parent of a 20 something year old who's doing moratorium it can be frustrating
2: mm-hmm. you know because
1: the parent goes are you going to retire before i've had a chance to retire what's going on here?" yeah um, yeah And then, of course, there are people, yeah, yeah, have you basically, uh, but it can be quite good fun. Uh, And then there's people who are uh, uh, sort of low in exploration, but high in commitment. And that's the scariest one for me, because I see lots of young people there who this is all I can be. I can't wish oh, for right. much. I yeah. can't dream of much. I'm, mm.
2: it's,
1: they've, they sort of give up on themselves a bit. Mm. And the group, of course, that we'd like people to be in is where they're high in exploration, trying out all sorts mm-hmm. of different things, mm-hmm. but they're also willing to commit to their own kind of lives and well being. And that's achievement. But the research that James Macias has done basically tells us about 16% of people by the end of their schooling days end mm-hmm. up in that achievement area. So that's an interesting one.
0: Mm. And uh, so am working I th- that out. Yeah. I'll oh, continue. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Well, then, of course, I mean, every stage has its own, and I can run through them all with you if you'd, if you'd like. I don't know whether mm. that's something you want to do, but, um, mm. but the other one, particularly, that stands out for me uh, in my work as a clinical psychologist and a okay. therapist, is the age between 49 and 56. Now, Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychologist, once Mm -hmm. wisely observed that more people enter therapy at the age of 49 than any other.
2: Wow. They
1: do so often because they look at at themselves in the mirror and go, where did I go? They've been so busy throughout their 40s,
2: tending for
1: careers, relationships, looking after kids, Mm -hmm. often caring for older parents.
2: Yeah. It's
1: a bit of a nightmare, really. And mm-hmm. so by the end of their 40s they're exhausted and so they're fresh for renewal they need to go into the into the service center and kind of have a refit really
2: yeah. and that's what
1: happens so it's not always a bad refit because people who've had tough childhoods or tough early adolescence often get a chance to reinvent them in in souls in great ways at that time wow. so but it's a time so it's a time of transformation so we have then um, rites of passage
2: that yeah. people go
1: through now rites of passage have been something that's been written about by humanity for thousands of years so mm-hmm. the the voyage of Odysseus is a rite of passage uh, sorry the um, trip to basically uh, the Star Wars is based on it as well and so a, a rite of passage has three phases there's a sort of separation from your normal way of being
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then you're betwixta Between you're all at sea, really. You're confused. You've got no idea what you should be doing. You've, you know, everything seems wrong. Yeah. It's very kind of upsetting, but at the same time, it's it's gross. (laughs) Yeah. Feel good, but and so you think you should know what you're doing, and you've got no idea. And then finally, if you can tolerate that Mm. for a bit, then you get to the other kind of the new you, really. Yeah. And, but we live in a world where we're a bit impatient.
0: Yes, that's and right. So we
1: don't like to, we don't like to not know.
0: Because mm-hmm. we, we want certainty. It is,
1: yeah. it is scary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yet, unless you can't invent a new self until you've actually become a bit bewildered by why the old one wasn't really up to scratch. That doesn't mean in a quality way, but it's, it's, it's just um, life has a way of some behaviours and some actions past their use-by date.
0: Mm. And how There's do the you...
1: time when you need to do a kind of renewal.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how, like,
1: okay. what
0: do you find that people struggle with the most? Past, present, or future?
1: I think people are often their past lingers with them.
2: Mm. So
1: people sort of they have a loyalty to their past, even if it's been a bad past. Wow, so I didn't know that. Yeah, They're often very willing to be defined by something that may have happened years ago or a relationship mm-hmm. that didn't work out. or. A, uh, so let, let's give you one example. Everybody, everybody, everybody mm-hmm. has had some experience of being rejected at some stage. You know, yeah. you, yep. you weren't picked for every team or of course, you know, whatever yeah. it was, right? Yeah. And, but there are lots of people out there who live their lives trying to avoid a replication of rejection. Mm, yeah. And so they na- they narrow their lives down to what they think they're going to be instantly yeah. you know, acceptable and, and successful at rather than exploring a broader range of life. Mm. And so that fearfulness dictates their lives. And it's only mm. often in my therapy room when they sit and we talk about this, that they suddenly feel, because you've got to feel safe to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: to be creative, to create creativity requires safety.
0: Wow. You know, yeah, I mean,
1: that's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So you've got to be with somebody who you feel safe with, who's sort of like your supporter on your mm-hmm. side, to mm-hmm. start to go, wow, which parts of myself aren't actualized? So in order to live our lives, we have to kill off other possibilities. So in a way to think of in terms of your life that Mm -hmm. do some of the things you've done Mm -hmm. there are other parts of you that never got realized yeah so one of them yeah so I often and I think it's something that it's just useful to ask people what's the main questions that have sort of dominated your life, which might be to be smart or raise a good family or um, be a success, whatever mm-hmm. that is. So mm-hmm. basically prove that I'm smarter than my brother or my sister, or <laughs> there's all sorts of things that yeah. run people's lives. And then what are the questions that weren't answered because you were busy answering those other questions? Mm. And they're the parts of you that sort of were a bit killed off early, really, wow. or were never brought to to life. Mm. And I think that's true in everybody, really. Yeah. And so starting to collect those and think, well, okay, some of those had validity too. Now, it's hard sometimes to get a clue into that. So what I often do in my work with people is ask them to think about and I don't know whether you have one. But it'd be interesting if you do. Mm-hmm. So think about it. You know, when you're a child,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: usually select a particular book or story,
2: mm-hmm. and you
1: love it, and you read it, and you ha- and you ask for it over and, over and over And that's why parents often will say to their kids, "Which story would you like me to read to you tonight?" And the kid says the same story that's been read for the past 364 nights. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And the, and so we don't just select those stories by random we select it because it reflects something that is perplexing our child like our childish mind really oh. and when we look at that do you have one by the way I, don't I know wouldn't. I,
0: that's the thing i wouldn't that's why i'm just like when you were telling me i was like trying to figure out but i don't think i were ever i was ever told the same story so i have to i have to ask my mom again like, hey, yeah. was, there, was, there, <laughs> was there a story that you keep, like, oh, I kept asking you what would the stories were like and stuff? Because at the moment now, I'm trying yeah. to think of it. I don't remember. Really. Yeah.
1: Okay. So maybe you were just a, a broad ranger. But um, at the same time, most people do latch on to a particular story mm. and it had, that had major meaning for them. Yeah. And when we start to examine it, it often also relates to the quest of their lives. Wow. So you'll see people who, you know, um, uh, a lot of stories, of course, for children, excuse me, basically mm-hmm. focus on, um, you know, adventures away from the adult world, really. Wow. And so okay. you'll see people who are non-conventional or uh, exciting in different ways. And, you know, I, I'm sure there'll be a whole generation of, of of young adults who Harry Potter has been a, a wonderful influence. And which character mm. in Harry Potter you know, oh, wow. did you identify most strongly yeah, with? And, yeah. and what was it about that? So, there are characters that, uh, of course, represent evil and good and mm-hmm. justice and, and adventure. So, uh, and you know, strong women, there's all sorts of different roles in that. It's yeah. a great example. And so, um, it'll be interesting to watch how people kind of talk about, say, a book that was so popular. Uh, in coming years,
0: and say like if if you want to find out other parts of yourself that one discover, so by doing this, so basically, so what you were saying, we have to figure out or whatever the story that we were told when we were younger, and what are the other steps that we could take to discovering other parts of ourselves and bring those parts to the surface.
1: Well, I don't know whether you had a secret dream as an eight year old mm-hmm. to be a fire person or a mm-hmm. police woman or a de- super detective or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it was that you dreamed of and whether that worked out for you or whether that's what you became,
2: mm-hmm. but there was
1: something, not necessarily in the specific job, but there was something about those dreams which tells us something about you
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, kids are wise we as children are wise so um at the what it looks just like childish kind of frivolity is not childhood is actually a very serious time of life Mm -hmm. and i have learned because i work with lots and lots of children
2: Mm -hmm. i've
1: learned to admire their thinking much more than you know it's very easy as an adult to dismiss oh well that's childish Mm -hmm. um but actually there's a great wisdom in children and so and it it echoes down their years as well. So it's fascinating. Hmm. And so obviously in Your Best Life at Any Age, I I put it together in different seven-year cycles of life. And it might Mm -hmm. just be useful to go through those a bit and just talk about what they are and um, if that's okay with you.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Please. Yeah. So um, I'll do the adult ones because the the child ones are are interesting. But um, 29 to 35 was interesting.
0: Wow. Now, okay,
1: 29 to 35. Yeah. I'm in
0: the age bracket. You know, <laughs> I'm in the age bracket. So I was like, yes, tell me, tell me more about it. Here. Well,
1: Well, it's a time when you really start to get a glimpse of being grown up and independent, right? It's not mm. like you're completely separated from your family. I don't think that actually happens often until people are 36 these days. Mm. But 29 to 35 is a time when people find a quest, they find a mission. And they go on it.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
1: ended up calling this the Napoleon years. I'm gonna, I've got that goal. I'm gonna yeah. get there. I'm gonna do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so they're they're full of they're full of determination and excitement and possibility.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's a great time. Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, uh, but often, often not always, they have one plan. Mm. There's not plan b or c <laughs> and so by the time they get to 36 they realize hang on maybe, <laughs> maybe i need to broaden my scope a bit that was a good plan mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. it doesn't have to fail mm-hmm. but i now need to broaden out my possibilities and so you end up with the very different kind of plan at 36 than you had at 29
0: wow okay
1: yeah yeah but it's important to find that passion i think Around twenty nine, because it helps define you. It helps you sort of cut your teeth on it,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it's not necessarily your lifelong purpose.
0: Yeah. See, all of
1: us, I think, want to find how we can contribute to the world. Yes, yeah. What's my contribution? Mm-hmm. And that's what it's trying to do.
0: Yeah. So I think yeah. yeah Does that I, bring true I, for yeah, you? Yeah, it brings such truth to me because I think. I think that was about like I was about that age as well and then I started to ask myself deeper like more deeper questions like previously I was more focused on like you know success and being driven and materials and you know gaining success but in a monetary way but then mm. as I get a bit older then I'm like it's not just about the monetary gain it's about there's got to be something bigger than that Because, say, if you're successful and having, you know, big, large bank account or whatever it is, but still if you are not feeling fulfilled, what is it? You know, there's got to be more to it. And how can I contribute? And also questions like what's my purpose or why am I here for? Then, Mm. you know, I started asking myself those questions.
1: Yeah, so – as part of it, I kind of interviewed some very early successful entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and discovered that really often their early success changed in nature, really, in that that period of time. They mm-hmm. became more focused on something beyond the money, for example, mm-hmm. and there were, there were There were times when i would just sort of shake my head at the kind of overlap of particular ages i'll just give you one example of that 27 and a half is a fascinating period of time what i kept finding Mm -hmm. was that lots of people lots of people not everyone but not lots of people have a fairly major relationship disruption around that time so Mm -hmm. that perhaps an early love falls Mm -hmm. apart (laughs) They're heartbroken. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and quite often, quite often they, they go back home dejected and tap on their parents' door and say, let me in and look after me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, and if, and I, if this has ended up being advice for parents, if you have a 27-something-year-old and something year old tapping on your door and saying, look after me, I'm heartbroken, take them <laughs> in, of course, and look after them. Yeah. But don't keep them there too long. Yeah. Because some of them will just stay until they're 35. Wow. <laughs> that's right. And so they almost they almost go that's back. Like eight, in years, time. eight years of their
0: lives, really. <laughs> that's
1: that's right. That's, that's, that's right. And so and okay, you need to be cared for and, and help to recover, but at the same time, you don't want to kind of put your life on hold. You know, it's almost like that fear of being rejected. I won't start to embark on life again. So thirty six to forty two is an interesting kind of phase. This is what I ended up calling a bit clinging to the wreckage. I mean, this is, this is this is in your future, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, it's a time when biologically everything's good. You, you know, things are still in the right place. Wow, yeah.
0: I'm excited, buddy. Yeah, but,
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and it's a time when yeah, people take on all sorts of missions. They go. They start families. They buy houses mm-hmm. they renovate houses they conversations change um people are incredibly industrious during that stage mm. so if you're not careful it can be uh a bit too focused on just getting through really um mm-hmm. And so it's a time; the risk is is narrowing yourself down rather than you know, and and almost being a bit dismissive of people who are not involved. So if you're say if you're fascinated by your career, at that stage of life, sometimes people treat their their other people as if they're sort of walk-on extras in whatever they get whatever's going on for them in their lives. Mm. You know? And so it's a time when uh, you've got to be very careful. And then I've talked about the forties and the fifties; mm-hmm. it's sort of that time of really but if we just parachute forwards to the end of that that period so the 49 to 56 was the time of reinvention
2: mm. it's a
1: time when the angels and the demons both come out to play it's wow. a very difficult okay. time yeah um, for 49 to 52 56 yeah 56,
0: 49 to
1: 56. yeah
0: that's sort of okay. seventy.
1: yeah that 70 year period and the way through that as it is in many parts of our life, is in, not out. So, of course, when when we're going through a major life change or a phase of just not being sure about ourselves, Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a tendency to look around at who else is in our lives and blame them. Oh, But, yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, We're over. I've had enough of you. Yeah. (laughs) And we do that not only with romantic relationships, but with friendships as well.
2: Wow. Okay. And so it's a
1: time to be very careful when you're feeling a bit kind of bewildered about life. There's not a time to shed dear friends, but to look inwards and go, "What? Am, what's, who am I now? What's going on for me? Mm-hmm. Because life requires of you different things at different parts of your life.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: you yourself have changed. Even yeah. though you think you're the same, the same you, you're not. Mm-hmm. And starting to get curious about that brings what we've talked about those time bombs mm-hmm. out of the mm-hmm. unconscious mm-hmm. into conscious awareness and gives you some options. Yeah. And so just to come back to that 49 to 56, the way out is in. But people who do that really well basically open up the windows of the, and the doors of their lives. They allow fresh creativity, free, fresh passions, fresh possibilities into their life. And there's this vast split difference between people who almost prematurely decide to become aged Mm. and those that become more, uh, more complete in a way they're, Mm. they're more fulfilled and those people in there often in their late fifties who've taken on that creative, kind of exciting kind of life become real magnets for much younger people because, you know, they're alive.
2: Yeah. They're alive
1: in way in a way that many adults in their 40s aren't. Because mm-hmm. the 40s are kind of industrious, you know. Yeah. Do do this, don't
2: yeah. You. yeah.
1: Yeah. Even 36 to 42 can be a bit kind of serious. Um and so if you're not careful. Uh and so yeah, it's interesting to watch. And they they are they magnet they are they are a magnet for those young people.
0: Wow! And how would you suggest? The,
1: yeah. Well, one of the really interesting parallels I talked about identity formation earlier, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. those yes. four
2: positions—it's—it's—and
1: mm-hmm. that occurs somewhere in your twenties. Mm-hmm. You've got to try to figure that out a bit. Who am I? What's my, what am I going to do with my life? What's my contribution? Mm-hmm. But then it, it comes back in that sort of 49 to 56, the same issue.
2: Wow! Okay. So these
1: two groups of people have gone through the same stuff. <laughs> and uh, if, if they've done it well, mm-hmm. this, this group, the older group, can contribute to the younger group and say, well, that's going to be okay. You know, believe in yourself. It's okay. You, you know, yeah, just explore what you're passionate about and so on.
0: So yeah. would you say, so it's a really interesting say, thing. if you're at the age of 29 to, say, 35, and if you're having those questions and you're just, you know, have like asking yourself deeper questions and wondering what your life would be like. So if you need guidance, so would you recommend someone or people in that age bracket would say hire someone as a coach or something um, from the age of, 42 to is that 56
1: that you said or oh, 50, 50. Be in, interesting thought so probably before you hire anyone i would map your life and read in your best life at any age what <laughs> mm-hmm. lots of people have gone through and mm-hmm. just because i think the most while it's good to have somebody to guide you the best work is often done just in terms of reflecting and asking yourself Questions about your life.
2: Mm. And
1: so you'll look, if you map your life, you'll find that there are times when things have been humming along and they're fantastic, yeah. and times when things were really, you know, difficult and hard. And what's the common patterns there?
0: Mm. And then
1: you'll say, learning in a more deep way about yourself. Yeah. And then one, once you've got a bit of that knowledge, then you can probably take that to somebody who's, uh, Well, I think it's interesting to think about that for a moment too, because I think generally I've found in my life, if I can have somebody who is a bit of a mentor or Mm -hmm. somebody who I can talk to who's about 15 years further down the track Mm -hmm. and then somebody else who's probably going through a similar stuff. So so to answer your question, then you might want somebody who's in their early Mm forties who's sort of quite good at say business and getting ahead and thinking about that kind of stuff but then you might want somebody in their early 60s or late 50s Mm. to talk about the meaning of things
0: yeah yeah
1: so you've almost got two different voices going on in in, as inputs into your thinking so that you've you've got different perspectives yeah you're preparing for the Yeah, the immediate short term, but you're also preparing for the longer term where meaning becomes even more powerfully important.
0: Oh, beautiful. And um, how would you suggest someone live their life to the fullest, regardless of the stage they're currently in their current circumstances?
1: I think that people, well, the first thing I I think that's important is to realize Mm -hmm. that we all have different brains. So we are all neurodiverse. So the research in neuroscience is very clear on this, that basically the myelination, which is the white brain material that speeds up our thinking in our brain, basically affects about 60% of our brain. So 60% of your brain is myelinated, thinks fast. The other 40% is not myelinated and thinks slow. Mm. Now, the pattern of myelination in your brain is different from your brothers, your sisters, anybody else that you know and so we're all neurodiverse
0: mm-hmm.
1: which means we're all good at some things and not so good at other things yeah. it'd be nice to be good at everything wouldn't it yeah you're not. okay sorry, even if, sorry, sorry same same family. Family, you're even if you came from the <laughs> same family
0: even if you came from the same family you're we're all neurodiverse
1: yes that's right mm-hmm. in fact particularly because in a family it's like being at a baseball game right mm-hmm. and you're if you've got an older brother or sister, they cover one base, and you go, okay, and they've got that base covered. I better pick a different one, all right? Mm. Makes sense.
2: Yeah. And then yeah.
1: if you've got a younger brother or sister, they'll pick a different base. Mm-hmm. So one's the musical, one one's the the comedic kind of reliever of tension in the family. Somebody else looks after everybody. You know, it's all sorts. Mm-hmm. Of, and then of course, if they go on a sleepover, they all change roles a bit. So families send children out on different missions. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I, because I had these lunches with people all in their 90s, brothers and sisters in their 90s, mm-hmm. and they were still, <laughs> you know, if you ever think that one day you can say to your brothers and sisters, your upbringing, and they'll all agree, forget it. Yeah. These people in their 90s were still arguing about the same stuff. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, but what that means, sorry, about the the neurodiversity, is that envy is an utterly waste a waste of effort so oh, that wow. essentially okay. if you end up comparing yourself and we we are just we're so attuned to yeah. measuring ourselves against mm-hmm. other people right mm-hmm. but it's if you can nature. drop that yeah but if you can drop it and go okay what are the what are my strengths what wow. are my learning strengths what are my capacities and how do i bring those to the fore that's a much more powerful focus ah. in your life than going, am I as good as you know Betsy down the road or Harry up the street or whoever it might be, or you know my brother, my sister, whoever it was. So comparisons do us in a bit
2: mm. because
1: you're proving, trying to prove to, to, that you're as good as somebody else. And in some ways, you're better than them. And in some ways, you're not as good as them. That's mm-hmm. just how it is,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
1: So you're wasting, you're, you're wasting your life so giving up envy is true freedom it's like freedom to be you
0: yeah and finding a sense of like say inner peace feels like a lifelong pursuit Um, is that truly possible
1: i think that the Well, not as a permanent state. I think Mm -hmm. that life is always going to poke us Mm -hmm. with 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 things. So, but I think the more that you understand yourself, the more you have a private inner room in your head somewhere where you understand that, despite these current circumstances, Mm -hmm. I have these things that I value these things that i would describe myself as being truly me mm-hmm. so we all have to adapt to the outer world yeah of
0: course yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. a
1: tr- there's an inner tr- there's an inner truth in all of us i think
0: mm.
1: and that's the treasure within you really and finding that treasure and holding on to it can be hard because uh-huh. the world sometimes doesn't value that treasure you, know, yeah. you might be a really, really great friend and a great empower of other people, and everybody else wants you to be the leader, you know. And you go, yeah. "Well, hang on, it's not really my my thing," you know. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, yeah. So it's 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 okay to be different. This is is the first realization I think, and it sounds obviously very obvious. But yeah, it's not obvious in people's lives.
0: Yeah, true. Say like if people realize. How can we realize a full potential? Like, what are the steps to take in finding a full potential? Because sometimes people can see it, but we don't kind of realize our own potential. Unless, like, someone pointed out, oh, you're really good at that. And then I was, like, oh, I wasn't even aware of that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you raised that. I, because I, I do a lot of research as well as, as well as resilience, I study brains and how they learn stuff mm-hmm. all the time. And after, 35 years of doing this, I set up a website called mylearningstrengths.com.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you
1: go on mylearningstrengths.com, you'll see a great photo of me. I paid a lot of money to look that good. Too, so <laughs> Amazing, my, yeah. My... <laughs> 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 and, and then you and then you do an analysis of your learning strengths and you get a free letter from me that will say, Congratulations, Jay, you're really good at this and this. We want to get better in another oh. area, his way of doing it. And the reason I did that was I mean it's it's not just targeted at children and teenagers, but but primarily, that's who's using it,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: twenty-seven thousand young people across the world have already done it. Wow. And I get these wonderful, wonderful emails back from people that say, "You know, you're the first person to ever told me I'm smart."
0: Wow! You told my
1: mum; she doesn't think I'm clever. Oh my god! And so, having an outside person, as you said, who says, "You know, you're good at this," helps you to kind of go, "Huh." Am I? I don't know. Uh, and at least you're starting to think about it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the reason for doing it. Because I think very few young people get to hear from an adult who's neither their teacher nor their parent about something they're good at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so getting that gives you a bit of a glimpse into, okay, now it's not saying that's all you can be because you, let's say you're a real people person or a mm-hmm. perceptual, motor kind of physical kind of person. It doesn't mean that's all you can be, mm-hmm. but it's good to start from where you're strong. Yeah. Because once you start, from where you're strong, then success accumulates and you get more motivated to pursue it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, where can listeners find out more about living their best lives at any age?
1: So the book, Your Best Life at Any Age, is available, I think, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, and it really does. I mean, it may not describe your specific Circumstances, but looking at how 500,000 other people have managed this business of living human life, mm-hmm. and it kind of ties in, you know, historical stuff and mythologies as well, is useful. Then you go, well, if that's not true for me, what is? Mm-hmm. And that's a really useful process to do. And uh, the mylearningstrengths.com website, of course, you could just look My up. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. remind us when your book is available.
1: I think it's out. About now, as oh. far as I understand it. I think so, yeah.
0: And it can be found so on Amazon. Exciting.
1: Yep, and uh, Barnes & Noble and, uh, well, hopefully more good bookshops than that. Yeah, amazing. And, um, I mean, before we end the show, I know your time
0: is precious, um, I'd like to end it with three questions. So the first question that I normally ask is, share me one truth about you that only you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um now i i attempt to play flamenco guitar (laughs) and uh i went to spain to buy a guitar now you went all the way to spain to
0: to buy a guitar (laughs) (laughs) in spain
1: Spain to buy a guitar you have to audition for the guitar so it's not basically just you go in and here's my money by the guitar no 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 oh, you have wow. to be worthy of the guitar so this is a very stressful process for any guitarist to basically go to guitar makers and play and mm-hmm. they'll go no 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 no, no. you're oh. you not worthy of this guitar um, so, <laughs> so I would trudge around Spain going to guitar makers and <laughs> wow. it was a great lesson Yeah,
0: yeah. Amazing. And what does it mean to you to live a conscious lifestyle?
1: I think for all of us, it's important just to take the time to be aware. There are so many people who seem just to be almost on automatic
2: Mm, and
1: repeating the same patterns over and over. And so they become a bit like zombies a bit. Yes. You know, and so, and, okay, you can get away with that for a while, eventually your spirit needs some fresh blood. It needs kind of some imagination, some enlivenment. Mm-hmm. And, and um, otherwise we fall into addictions or despair or kind of just a, a workaholic type of lifestyle, which is just a bit empty. Yeah. And so it's just at different times you go, well, hang on, there's, there's something quite not quite right about what's going on. I need to explore inwardly Mm -hmm. what what I've lost or what I need to grow now in my life and so quite often when people come in in despairing moments of their lives into my therapy room Mm -hmm. I'll ask them which parts of themselves they want to kill off Mm -hmm. and which parts of themselves they want to live on because it is I think true that there are parts of ourselves that we grow out of
2: yeah and that we really
1: should say well okay that bit of my character I need now to move away from to form a different kind of me, mm-hmm. and that's the exciting kind of part of innovating for life, really. Yeah, that's what allows you to be flexible. And yeah, not so, so being. Yeah,
0: yeah. Continue. Sorry.
1: So just being aware is being curious. It's not. It's not about having the answer because mm-hmm. none of us do. Mm-hmm. It's having the question. being bold enough to ask the questions mm-hmm. and see what comes up if you explore it. So I think it's fascinating.
0: Yeah. And what about th- for those people that they're quite rigid in their old ways and they just don't want to they want they don't want to change or evolve or they just stay the same.
1: Well that's that's okay if that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But um even for them, I think sometimes life will pinch them a bit because you go, well, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, I'm safe, but is there something I really well, want to do mm, while I'm here that, that I'm not doing? Yeah. So it's not about necessarily changing everything. Yeah. But sometimes having little, little exploration. So mm-hmm. it could be as minor as going, well, I'll walk a different way today yeah. and just see what shows up. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll basically do something, you know, I've never really been somebody who's been to. An art gallery, but I'm going to go just to make, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So you yeah. you just try out. So hopefully life becomes an adventure rather than just a, a repetition of old patterns.
0: Amazing. And what impact do you want to leave on this world?
1: I want people to live the best life that they can. I think, I mm-hmm. think, I mean, that's a small one, isn't it? But um, yeah. really to think, how do you do that? Because what I've been very fortunate about in my psychology training is psychology gives you the license to study almost anything. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what I realized is just about human life. And so, and human life is endlessly curious. Mm. I find it puzzling and delightful and infuriating all in equal measure. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think most people probably do at times. And but to start to explore it gives you just a depth of understanding that other people won't have. And that's a massive advantage in your life, too. Mm-hmm. Because where most people are, say, feeling envious or comparing themselves or trying to live up or narrowing down to the areas they're just successful because they fear rejection, to be somebody who understands the patterns of life and can Mm -hmm. broaden themselves out gives them a much greater chance of being a fulfilled person.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving feeling inspired to be your best authentic self.